Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Jesus. I am your host, Todd Ubley. In this episode, we are fortunate to have a very special guest. He is a church pastor and police chaplain. He has 25 years of experience counseling and ministering to military and law enforcement families. He also responds to homicides, suicides, accidents, and other unattended deaths to provide care to the families of the victims. He provides pastoral care to police officers and first responders as well. And on top of all of this, he is also a fellow podcaster. His podcast is called My Chaplain. I'll post a link in the show notes and in the YouTube description. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Jared Altick. Jared, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Would you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm a pastor in a church. I've been preaching in the church I'm at now for about 21 years. And so I've had a, a very good long tenure uh, at a wonderful church. And I'm married. I've been married for 25 years. And uh, I've got five kids and, and very happy with my life in Kansas City. Uh, God has been really good to me. The last about four or five years, I've started volunteering with the uh, local police department. And I, I do that as a chaplain uh, and specifically as a police chaplain. There's lots of different types of chaplains. You know, there's chaplains in, in prison ministry and hospitals and all sorts of different places. But, but I'm specifically functioning as a police chaplain where I am going and providing, you know, short-term service to people in crisis, like at the scene of a homicide or a suicide or another unattended death. But I'm also providing long-term care to the police officers. And that's just really something I've felt pretty passionately about. God kept putting police officers in my church. And <laughs> eventually I got the hint. Like, okay, you're going to keep putting military people and law enforcement people in my church. I, I'm going to have to, to learn that culture and uh, learn how to, to speak to them and befriend them and minister to them. And so that's kind of been my uh, secondary role. I, I don't want to present it like it's the primary thing I do. I still work in a church. That's my day job. That's what I get paid to do. But my very involved second activity is working as a police chaplain. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is actually my secondary as well. Right. The goal or mission of the podcast, of course, is to bring hope and comfort to other people. Oh, fantastic. Which I assume would be very similar to your secondary role as a police chaplain. Yeah. As a police chaplain, can you describe a little bit what it's like when you approach a crime scene or when there's an unattended body? Sure. Obviously, not too much in the details, I hope, but, you know, if you could just share what you're able to about what it's like as a police chaplain when you come upon the scene. Sure. And I'm limited in some of the specifics of each individual case because of people's privacy and ongoing investigations and things like that. But generically speaking, it, I'm given a pager, you know, the very cutting edge of 1990s technology. <laughs> when the pager goes off, then... I have an hour to respond and I'm kind of at one far end of the county. And so, and our municipal government and county government are the same. We have a unified government. So the city and the county are essentially the same entity. And so I'm at one far end of the county and, and a lot of times um, I'm asked to come to the middle or to the opposite end of the county. 
And so get paid from dispatch. I'll usually call them on my phone and ask, okay, what's the nature of what's going on? And it may be any kind of unattended death, you know, a death in a hospital where a doctor is supervising, that's, that doesn't require the police. But if a body is found and it wasn't under a situation like hospice or medical care of a doctor, then that's an unattended death. And so natural deaths, accidents, suicides, homicides, all of those would be unattended. And so the police need to investigate. And there's often family members there, whatever kind of situation it is. And sometimes the family will ask for help. Uh, They're in crisis. They're in shock. They're going through a traumatic event. And they'll ask for help. Uh, Sometimes the police just discern that it would be smart to have a chaplain come out. They will almost never, the police will almost never ask for themselves. Now they also are being traumatized. You know, if they right. see a, you know, especially like a dead child or, or even some of the, uh, um, the deaths that, you know, somebody's in an, an advanced state of decomposition, or I think especially if faces or hands are mutilated or dismembered, I, I think that really wounds us as human beings. We, we shouldn't have to see stuff like that. And yet someone does, someone does have to see that. And those first responders, the firefighters and the police officers, they have to see it, but they're tough. You know, they, they don't want to admit that would ever bother them. And so I get called out and I, then I'm, I'm kind of wearing two different hats. I, I have the short-term help. I'm like the paramedic, you know, the paramedic doesn't take care of you long-term. He just gets you to the doctor. Well, spiritually, that's what a chaplain does. A chaplain is short-term help. I'm there to provide comfort. I will pray with you, which not everybody wants that. That's, that's fine. But I can help explain things. A lot of times it's really helpful to have an interpreter between the battalion fire you know, commander or the, the, um, you know, the police department captain or sergeant who's talking, there's a lot of jargon and having someone who can translate that police talk into normal human is, is helpful. And I also can explain the process, you know, well, why is this murder victim laying in the street? It's been two or three hours. Why are they still there? Well, there's an investigation that needs to happen. And CSI is doing more than just taking pictures. They may bring out these fancy tripods with the, the lasers and the digital scanners and the, you know, it's got GPS geolocation and all this stuff. And they're creating a 3D photographic model of the crime scene. And that can take hours in some cases. And so we're honoring the dead by capturing every bit of information So later, the investigators and even the jury can fly through a three-dimensional model, photorealistic of the scene, so that we can bring justice to the situation. And a chaplain can explain some of that procedural kind of thing to a grieving family who are in shock and and not sure what's going to happen. They don't understand what's going to happen to the body. You know, is it going to go to the coroner or is it going to be released directly to a funeral home? And that depends on the circumstances. Uh, when will they get to see the body? Everybody's seen TV shows where you're in this morgue and they pull a drawer open and you identify the body. <laughs> that does happen in some places, but that's not as common as everyone assumes. Like in our county, you that never happens. We, we just do not identify bodies that way. That's We don't ever bring a family into a morgue, into a coroner's office and identify a a deceased individual that way we just don't do it and so and so they will likely not see that family member again until the body has been released to the funeral home 
and and explaining that helps to some degree and a chaplain can do all of those things and then that's all my short-term care long-term I then kind of walk around the yellow tape to the perimeter where at every street, there's another police car with another young officer, and they may not be particularly upset depending on their level of involvement and how much they saw, but I'm going around and checking on everybody and touching base and making sure that everybody's okay. And sometimes people want to talk uh, or they even want me to pray with them. Uh, that doesn't happen a lot because, again, they're they're on the job and they're being tough. They're in that mode, uh, that frame of mind. But that's a long-term thing where I can then text them a couple of days later or I'll see them at a roll call a week later and I can just keep being available. And that's called the ministry of presence where I am just present. I'm available. I'm there. And, and importantly, I'm seeing what they saw. I was there, I smelled the dead body, I saw the, the blood, I stood there in the rain or the snow, and I shared that experience with them. And that's, that's helpful. And I, I really believe that's important for a chaplain to, to do those things, not to, to zoom in for five minutes, say a blessing and zoom out again. You know, it really should be something where you're there for an hour or two or three or four hours, you know, depending on the, on the scenario. That's good. That's really good. It, and it sounds necessary for a lot of these major crimes. Yeah. How does that sort of thing normally affect the police officers themselves? Um, like I said, uh, all of them put on a tough face. But you have with police officers this wide spectrum of personalities. Uh, it's not easy to to accurately pigeonhole a police officer because there's just all different types. And uh, we're not a huge department. But we have hundreds of officers, and there is just every variety, male and female, young and old, black and white, and all different types of personalities. Some of them are very resilient, because I also don't want to paint a picture that police officers are all fragile and damaged. People do that with the military a lot. Like every soldier is, you know, just psychologically riddled with with trauma and oh, yeah. is almost helpless and that's not fair it takes away <laughs> from those who really are morally wounded but but not everybody is some people have a lot of natural resiliency uh they were raised in stable homes and just are pretty squared away psychologically others have learned how to be resilient and they've learned how to, to cope really well in healthy ways. And that's the same with police officers. We have police officers who see the worst of the worst, and yet they handle it great. And, and they have very healthy marriages and very healthy parenting relationships. And they uh, may be people of faith or, or they just otherwise are very healthy, where we have some officers who don't and you can see it they they get angry they get difficult to work with um they they self-destruct and they do damaging they have damaging coping mechanisms um you know the the stereotype again not fair to stereotype officers but but the stereotype is that you know they deal with stress by by cursing and, and drinking and both of those do help a little bit it's like if you step on a lego in the middle of the night you yelp you know, and maybe you do more than yell. Maybe you say a word that Jesus doesn't want you to say. No uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that that may happen. And and when that happens, you get the just the the smallest amount of the right chemicals in your brain to be released to help you cope with the pain. 
um, and it's over in a few seconds. The same thing with, with drinking, you can kind of numb yourself uh, with alcohol and with other drugs, both prescription and, and street drugs. And so does that help with how you feel in the short term? Sure. But the problem is those are not positive. Those are destructive things that can hurt you in any number of ways, as we all know about addiction and, and alcoholism and that kind of thing. And even the language is, is also long-term destructive because that's abusive language. And that abusive language, especially as a person with power, you, you carry a gun on your hip and you have the authority to take away someone's liberty. And if you have that kind of power, it's very important to communicate that you're not going to abuse that power. And abusive language sends a signal that you're abusive. And so, and so it would actually help just relating to the public to swear less because there are people who, who are not going to distinguish you from the abusive person that they're familiar with. So a police officer swearing or drinking or doing any number of other uh, unhelpful coping things, you know, I'd like to see, see them find positive ways to cope. You know, as a Christian, I'd like to see them find spiritual ways to cope. And so some officers do that well. Some do not do that very well. Yeah, I can relate in a way. I have had both healthy and some unhealthy coping mechanisms, having been both in the Army and the Navy. Yeah. I remember one time when I was in the Navy, I became very good friends with the chaplain that we had had. In fact, we shared a stateroom a lot of times when we were underway. And at this one particular time, I had noticed he himself had needed a chaplain. Yes. And we talked for a little bit and decided we would switch roles for a little bit, you know. Yeah. I would pretend to be the chaplain and he would pretend to be the sailor and he just shed his burden. And I could see that it really helped him a lot. You know, as a chaplain, he needed that sort of release as well. He needed to be able to to shed his burden. As a police chaplain who goes to the scenes with these officers, how does that affect you and your faith? Um well, it can be it can be difficult. Um I'm not I think that I'm fairly resilient naturally. I was raised by good parents. I I never experienced violence as a child. To those to whom much is given, much is expected. And so so I feel like I have a higher tolerance level, you know, for death and injury and dismemberment and all sorts of terrible things. I I think I have a higher tolerance for that than than probably your average bear. And so I'm not deeply disturbed. In fact, I was commenting to someone the other day that, that I don't think I've ever dreamed about any of the dead bodies that I've seen. It's just not ever popped into a dream yet that I can recall. And so some of that is not to my credit. I just, you know, my parents and, and, and the good Lord has given me the ability to maybe absorb a little bit more of that than some people can absorb. But then I've got good people around me. Uh, whether it's the other minister at my church who has become a good friend and someone that I can talk to. Again, sometimes I have to speak generically about the situation. I can't talk about the details, but I can unpack some of that. My wife also, um, you know, best friend in the world, uh, been married to her for 25 years, and uh, she was a paramedic for a little while. And so she has a point of reference to talk about some of the bad things she's seen and compare that to some of the bad things that I've endured. And then having other chaplains to talk to is really helpful. Uh, and other ministers too, that aren't chaplains, you know, there's, there's a real, there's a lot of overlap 
between the two jobs and being able to unpack that and talk it through and kind of vent and have someone pray for you. It's just a, that's a good resource to have. And I'm always looking for, for new ways to do that. Uh, even having this interview with you, even though I'm not talking about my trauma necessarily, it's still very therapeutic for me to, to talk about it and to discuss what I do and, and that kind of thing. So. Good. Um, that's good. I'm glad that there are, are healthy outlets. Yeah. Like I said, there were times where I could tell that my chaplain when I was in the Navy could use a healthy release as well. Yeah. And I'm glad that there are those sorts of releases and outlets for you as a police chaplain and for other police chaplains to be able to lift their burdens as well. So I know you can't really go into too much detail, but on maybe like a generic level, can you share about a situation that you were involved in where you could just tell that God was there, where God's grace was moving. Is there something like that that you would be willing to, to share about and talk about? Because a lot of times the, the stuff that the police see is so bleak and there is nothing that's going to fix this particular home other than a time machine right there it's it's already broken it's been broken for a long time and now violence has erupted or or something similar something illegal has happened and the police are involved and and it's it's just hopeless looking and so a lot of situations like that it's a matter of managing having that hopelessness you know having your nose rubbed in it and and being exposed to that much despair that's that's just really tough to endure but uh, but not too long ago, we had an officer who was on vacation, family, and so you had multiple pairs of adults, young, middle age type adults, and they were in a vehicle in a van that got struck by another vehicle on the highway, and it killed a member of the group, and it moderate to serious injuries for everybody involved, including our officer, and they were in another city, you know, 1,200 miles away. They're on vacation. And so, so I reached out to some other chaplains that I knew who were in that state and they reached out to another chaplain who was in that city. And that chaplain was able to go to that officer and that officer's family. And some of them were in the hospital. Some of them were like in very like life-threatening situations. Others were just, you know, broken ribs and pelvis and, you know, all sorts of injuries like that, but they were in the process of being treated and released. And that chaplain was able to go and be an extension of our department, even though she'd never met any of us. She went and went to the hospital repeatedly, helped them as family was traveling back home and other families coming out to help, you know, figuring out hotels and, you know, what happens if, if everyone in your party on vacation gets injured, what happens to all your luggage back at the hotel that you're supposed to have checked out of? You know, well, this chaplain jumps in and helps in all these kinds of ways. And I'd never met her before. Uh, I just talked to her on the phone, explained our situation. She jumped in and really was the embodiment of God's grace to those hurting people uh, and grieving people because one of them did pass away right then. And I was so impressed that the body of Christ was able to, you know, transcend multiple time zones (laughs) and, and go help. When it just wasn't realistic for us to get on. I mean, I certainly couldn't have jumped on a plane and gone in any realistic kind of way. And yet with a few phone calls, she was able to go there and be there and and keep checking back in on them and helping them over the course of a week or so. And mercy, I 
am so thankful to her and and I'm so grateful to God that that she was there and that she was able to love them and help them. And some of those people I, I think are are pretty active churchgoers and some of them, I don't know, maybe they're not. I don't, I don't really know them. I just know the one officer who was part of that group, but I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. And I just kind of praise God that here's this sister in Christ that I didn't even know. And, and here she is helping people that I care about and doing that when, when they're in some remote location, I can't get to them. And so that was that was pretty special to me. That's awesome. It's amazing to to see God work like that, especially when you don't know people in the area. Yeah. For God to provide a way to help you to help others. That's that's really awesome. Yeah. Well, it, it happened through podcasting. Uh, the first chaplain that I knew that I that got this ball rolling was because I'd interviewed her for a podcast. And, oh, wow. and she just happened to live in that state. She's like, oh, I can make a phone call. And she, she had somebody in that city ready to go. And, and it was, I'm just so grateful for that. No, oh, that is, that is, that is truly awesome. Well, Jared, why don't we try closing things out? If you wouldn't mind by sharing what your hopes are, what your vision is for young law enforcement officers and experienced law enforcement officers as well just, you know, going forward, moving forward and in, into the future. What is your hope for their development, their well-being? Um, I think that what I spoke about before about the ministry of presence, where um, what I do as a chaplain, I go in and I do a lot of roll calls. I did that this morning. I went to two different roll calls. Uh, those are the meetings they have at the beginning of their shift. And so, and I just drop in, I'm not there to say anything. I'm not preaching to them or anything like that. I just drop in, uh, tell the Sergeant, hello, I'm just making my rounds and I'm just available. I'm just there. And most of those roll calls, it's five minutes. They all say, hi, chaplain and walk past me before I can corner them, you know, because <laughs> they're, they're typical, mostly young men, you know, and, and they don't want to be vulnerable or show their emotions or anything like that. And, but it is important that I'm there. And I've had opportunity now because it takes a while as a chaplain to get behind the badge. And it may take, it may literally take years to really build enough rapport and enough trust that when they have a crisis of whatever sort, maybe a family thing or a work-related uh, traumatic event or something else entirely, to get to the point where they would reach out to you and ask for advice or help or, or resources of whatever sort that takes a while to get there. And it only happens because you're not a stranger. If, if they need help, that's just, not, there's not very many personalities that would open up to a total stranger. And most people would rather have something, someone that they're familiar with and that they're comfortable with. So what are some of your hopes and thoughts going forward? My great hope is that there would be more chaplains. Uh, there's a large number of departments that don't have chaplains right now, or their chaplain program has kind of, you know, fallen into, you know, to disuse because the chaplains aged out. A lot of times people don't even become chaplains until their retirement age. And so there's a pretty short shelf life. And I want to encourage ministers, clergy, priests, whoever, I, I want to see people get into chaplaincy and devote themselves uh, to these police officers and being around these police officers and building that rapport. 
there are countless departments around the country. I mean, there's 15,000 different departments and agencies in law enforcement in our country. And a lot of them do not have active chaplains programs with good, healthy chaplains that are really helping the, those officers who are at the bottom of the, the total pole. You know, those 25-year-old patrol officers. I can only help in my one department. And, and I want more help. I want there to be more chaplains in my department. And so, so we need additional chaplains in other departments in every state all across the country. But there's other chaplains around the country who can help start a new chaplains program and get you trained and get you involved. And I just, I want to see more departments have chaplains and uh, it just, it's a, we need more manpower. And so, so I'd like to see there be more chaplains. I, I really think chaplains can make a huge difference. Awesome. Well, Jared, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you just for being here to share about being a police chaplain and for opening up about how you can just see God's grace and even the most harshest and difficult of circumstances. I'm sure you're probably being pulled in about 50 different directions with all your responsibilities. And yes, sometimes. Well, Jared, thank you again. I appreciate you taking the time to help bring comfort and hope and encouragement to the body of Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be posting a link to Jared's podcast. I will put it in the show notes for the podcast. And for those of you who like to watch on YouTube, I will post a direct link to his podcast in the description for the video. And if there are any of you who are interested in becoming a police chaplain, feel free to reach out. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. God bless.